Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Thanks for taking a moment to take a look at the book with us. And today we're going to be looking at the book of Joel. I have in my hand a copy of a five-part, five-hour series on Joel entitled Joel's Journal on the Day of the Lord. This is a must-study. We're going to listen to a portion of the second in this five-part series, God's Jealousy for His Land. You'll need to understand the day of the Lord, that phrase introduced by the prophet Joel, because it is a major phrase used in Bible prophecy for the end times. Now, that's why we want you to take a moment to listen to our study on the book of Joel. If you have the time right now, study with us, and then we'll tell you how you can get your own copy of Joel's journal on the day of the Lord. Let's listen. Let's go to the book of Joel. The book of Joel, and want to think about, now we, we've got the definition, we've got the prophetic doctrine of the day of the Lord. It does not include the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church is not in the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord cannot start until after the rapture of the church has taken place. And the day of the Lord would be a thousand and seven years long. A definition of the day of the Lord again, any time in history when God intercedes in the affairs of man personally on the earth. So that starts with the tribulation period, goes through the second coming of Christ, the thousand-year millennial kingdom, and stops before the, the great white throne judgment. Because chapter 20 of Revelation, verse 11, says, The heavens and the earth fled away. And so the day of the Lord is not on the earth at that time. It's going to be someplace in outer space. I'm not sure exactly where, but the great white throne judgment happens. So it's not in the day of the Lord. So the the book ends for the day of the Lord would be the rapture of the church and the great white throne judgment. It's the thousand and seven year period in between that would be the day of the Lord. A specific period in history that Joel is writing about, he introduces it in all the other prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Zechariah, especially Zechariah. Zechariah uses the term 27 times in his little book. And when you're talking about the day of the Lord. So you can know in particular what period of time they're talking about. And it's key. You hear all of these prophecies. How do you put them together? You've got to understand that there's no prophecy of private interpretation. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 20. That all prophecy has to fit together hand in glove. You've got to be able to get the overall big picture, and then start putting the pieces of the puzzle together. I use the term that revelation is the mosaic of prophecy. And what I mean by that, it is the overall big picture. If you're going to start studying prophecy, you start with revelation. It lays out all of this information, and then you can go and get the pieces of the puzzle. Remember when you bought the puzzle box at the store? It had a picture on the front of the box to show you what all the parts would look like when you got them together? Well, that's what revelation is. It's the picture on the puzzle box, and all the other prophecy books are those puzzle parts that you're looking at here and you're putting together. And so, and when, when you, come, you, you see, Joel is not a standalone. How do I come to a conclusion about what Joel is speaking on without going to the book of Ezekiel? Book of Revelation, for example, refers 350 times to the Old Testament. So you can't study Revelation. I love these guys that just, you know, study in the New Testament and say the Old Testament's not for me. 
You can't study the book of Revelation without understanding the Old Testament. And so it's key that you have a big picture, and, and we all have to have. I was so concerned and disturbed the other day. I did a five-minute commentary. I do a five-minute daily broadcast called Prophecy Today. And I did a commentary on the fact less than 10% of Christianity has a biblical worldview. Now, that is an unbelievable statement. I am very much concerned about it. Everyone in this room should have a biblical worldview, a prophetic biblical worldview. Because that's how we need to, you know what a worldview is? That's how you look at what's going on in the world. Everybody has a worldview. You have a worldview. It may not be a biblical worldview. But your worldview has been perpetrated on you by somebody else. You need to control your worldview. You go on ABC, NBC, CBS, these guys propagandize us with a worldview, their worldview of what's going on. So we need to have a prophetic worldview. So you need to understand how these things happen. And here you've got Joel now. He is describing the day of the Lord, looking down the corridor of time, laying forth the day of the Lord, setting the doctrine in motion, talking about and defining what the day of the Lord is going to be. It's going to start in the darkness of the day, as a Jewish day starts at night and goes into the day. And the invading army... I talked about that Islamic invading army. I believe with all of my heart that's what it's talking about. And then as we go through that period of time, Jesus Christ comes back. Well, he deals with things that happen here at the first of the tribulation period. By the way, I say that that invading army, that Ezekiel chapter 38 is going to take place, I believe, in the first six months. And we'll develop that in just a few moments as to why. But I believe it's going to be the first six months of the tribulation period. That gives the seven-year period of time uh, for the burning of the weapons and the burial of, of all of those who have been killed in that period of time. And uh, I'll, I'll define it a little bit more in just a few moments. Now we're going to see what is key in the day of the Lord. One of the main factors for understanding why things happen in the day of the Lord. And it's found, go to chapter 2 of the book of Joel. Chapter 2 and verse 18. Chapter 2. Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. His land. The focus of that invading army in the day of the Lord. The focus of Satan's efforts during the day of the Lord. All that we see in the scriptures are going to deal during the day of the Lord, especially in the night portion of that day, on focusing on the land. Uh, keep your finger here and just slip back a couple of books to Zechariah. Let me show you something in Zechariah chapter 1 just for a second. Zechariah, talking about the jealousy of the Lord. And we already looked at Ezekiel chapter 38 verse 19 where he says, In the fury of my jealousy... I went out to destroy this invading army in the fury of my jealousy. And then in chapter 36, verse 5, where he's talking about the Edomians, I believe the Palestinians of today, where he makes the statement, my anger and jealousy, I went forth to destroy that people. Zechariah chapter 1, again, El Shaddai is... The one talked about here, reminding you from the first session that we said El Shaddai is that person of the Godhead, 
the Son, the one that someone can see. You cannot see the Father and live. You see the Father, you die on the spot. You cannot see the Holy Spirit. He's a spirit. But you can see the Son and in pre-incarnate appearance. Every time you read in the scriptures, the angel of the Lord. Not a angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord. I believe it's talking about a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. So this would be El Shaddai. Do a word study. Uh, and, and where I got this from, and I've asked him to write a book. Menno Kalashir, who was the young man that did my translating when we started the church in Jerusalem. And who, about five years ago, I gave the leadership of the church too. In fact, uh, I'm, he was my associate pastor and I was the lead pastor. And about five or six years ago, we changed that around. I became his associate. His father, who's a member of our church, one of the founding members of our church, calls his son Minnow the prime minister of our church. And I'm the foreign minister of our church because I'm gone all the time. But Minnow, when he first came to know Christ as Lord and Savior, a Jewish young man who comes to know Christ, and he wanted a reason for, to be able to respond to his Jewish friends. Why did he receive Christ? And from the Old Testament, he said, I'm not going to use the New Testament. I'm going to use the Old Testament. And so he started studying God. Now, I can't go into all of this. I'm simply telling you his conclusion was El Shaddai is the Messiah, is the son who appears to men. When Moses saw God, he didn't see God the Father. He said he saw him face to face. He'd have died on the spot had it been God the Father. He saw Jesus Christ. Daniel saw Jesus Christ. Ezekiel saw Jesus Christ. Abraham saw Jesus Christ. 17th chapter of the book of Genesis. He stood face to face with God. That was Jesus Christ, El Shaddai. And so when you're thinking about that, you've got to understand, hear it in Zechariah chapter 1 now. It is Jesus Christ who's speaking because he's talking to Zechariah. Then the angel of the Lord, verse 12, chapter 1, answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long wilt thou not have mercy on Jerusalem? And the Lord answered, and the angel that talked with me said with good words and, and comfortable words, Verse 14, so the angel that communed with me said unto me, Cry thou not, thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy. Uh, I like the Hebrew definition or interpretation of that word jealousy there, or jealous. Aggressively possessive. Now this is talking about Jerusalem, but when you talk about Jerusalem, you're talking about all of Israel. And so he said, I am aggressively possessive. I am jealous for Jerusalem. Well, that's what he's talking about. I am jealous. And, and, and the word land is used in the book. Go back to Joel. The word land is used in Joel 11 times. And it's talking about uh, the land that is to mourn. Chapter 1, verse 10. Look at that just a moment. Remember in that actual time of Joel's day, when the locusts invaded, the invading locust army coming into the land and destroying the land from which he is going to write about the day of the Lord. It was the prototype for the fulfillment of the day of the Lord. In verse 10 he says, The field is wasted, the land mourneth, for the corn is wasted, the new wine is dried up, and the oil languished. You see, God has a special purpose for the land God basically conveys to us that the people, the land, and the Bible are inseparable. That statement first came to me back in 1993, soon after Yitzhak Rabin had signed the Oslo Accords in Washington, D.C. 
he returned to Israel. The greatest demonstration that I've ever seen in the world for a nation, over 500,000 people, and at that time, we're talking about more than 10% of the entire nation getting together for a rally at their population at that point in time in 93. That's like taking 30 million people getting together for one rally in the United States. 500,000 people got together, and they got together at the Knesset in Jerusalem, and they protested against Yitzhak Rabin. And we were standing there. It was interesting to be at that rally. Judy and I decided to go over, and she was nervous. She didn't want to go over there. And so I said, honey, we got to go. We're journalists. we got to be in the action. So we were right in the middle of the crowd, man, just eating it up, having a ball. And uh, I was, we're talking to people. And during a bunch of uh, politicos making speeches, and during, between the speeches, Orthodox Jews would get up. And you know what they would do? They would sing. You know what they would sing about? The coming of the Lord, the coming of the Messiah. They were singing songs. It was like a, a big spiritual rally going on. And all these Orthodox Jews out there, and I went up to one guy, I said, why are you here? He said, Yitzhak Rabin, our prime minister, doesn't understand that the land, the book, and the Bible Excuse me, the land, the book, and the people are inseparable. They all go together. First time I heard that phrase. Interesting comments by the people, and that's the truth. God's jealousy for his land is evident not only in the book of Joel, but throughout the entire word of God. Isn't it interesting, that word jealousy in the Hebrew, speaking of aggressive possessiveness. That's God's jealousy for his land, an aggressive possessiveness. It's his land, and he can give it to whom he pleases. This is a must-study in your study of prophecy, Joel's Journal on the Day of the Lord. That's the title of this five-part, five-hour series on the little Old Testament prophetic book of Joel. Why don't you call right now, 8-Prophecy-8, 877-674-3298. Now, that's a toll-free number, so you can call and purchase your copy of Joel's Journal on the Day of the Lord. Or you can go to our website and make your purchase. The address is www.prophecytoday.com. Thank you so very much for taking a moment or two to take a look at the book with us. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, and I want to remind you everything we've been studying in this short time together is evidence that Jesus Christ could come at any moment to call us up to be with him. Having said that, nothing left for me to say except let's keep looking up until.